Hey, this is Pastor Rob Miller from Reclamation Church. Just want to say thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray that this message is completely life-giving and life-changing and that you take the blessing of the Word of God with you everywhere you go this week and pour into somebody else around you. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. John 20 verse 31 says this, but these have been written, this is John speaking about all that is written in his gospel. Uh, All of these things have been written so that what? So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so we've kind of been in this whole series on John, this gospel of John, confronting some lies that tend to creep in to our beliefs and, and really to strike at the foundation of who we are. So we've been working at building a foundation and, and, and strengthening our foundation of beliefs over the past few weeks of this series. And I really want to hit that today. Uh, Nicodemus, we're going to see here in a moment, is the, is the priest, the, the, the Pharisee that meets with Jesus. And he has all of these kind of questions. So let me just say this. If you've got questions... It's okay, as long as you're going to the one who wrote it all. Nicodemus, a priest who thought he knew it all, went to Jesus, the Word of God, to learn even more knowledge. Amen? So if you've got questions, that's fine. Just make sure you're finding the answers in the right resource. Let me rephrase that. Make sure you're finding answers in the right source. Amen. Amen. But today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, This is the day... Uh, this is 50 days after Passover. Uh, this, is, this is the day we read about in Acts chapter 2, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 120 people were in the upper room. They were all in one accord. They were praying. They were seeking the face of God together in unity. And then the Holy Spirit came and invaded the room and completely turned their life upside down and the world upside down. And so we're going to weave uh, what we see on Pentecost Sunday with this conversation that Nicodemus has with Jesus. Caleb, pray for me, because as I was reading John chapter 3, I was like, I got to go over John 3. I've been telling them for five weeks we're going into John 3 on Pentecost Sunday, which is supposed to be the Holy Spirit. But there's some things that Nicodemus talks about with Jesus that, that shows the importance of the Holy Spirit in our life. And there's some, some, uh, some, some striking parallels that we see between Nicodemus and the 120 in the upper room. So I want to focus on that today. Um, if you remember, a few weeks ago, we talked about the Holy Spirit coming down and descending from heaven and remaining on Jesus. That was found in John 1.33. It says that the Spirit came down, descended, and remained on him. That's new. Because up until this point in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon somebody, they would prophesy, they would say something, and then the Spirit would leave. So this is the first time that we see that the Holy Spirit fell down, came down from heaven, descended, and remained upon Jesus. I love that word remained. If you were here last week, we talked about being a dwelling people, a dwelling person, getting uh, that, that, that zeal for the house of God, being consumed with that zeal and making our dwelling in his dwelling place, so that everywhere we go, we become a meeting place between heaven and earth. 
And so we talked about that last week and how we need to be a dwelling place. And so that word remaining means that there's this indwelling or this habitation of the Holy Spirit on, on Jesus. In John 14, we even read that Jesus says that this time or that this same Holy Spirit will come to help you and to guide you where? Into all truth. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us into truth where we can weed out the lies. Amen. We need the Holy Spirit. Look at somebody and say, you need the Holy Spirit. Imagine if we can just get the Holy Spirit working in Washington, D.C. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We need the Holy Spirit. So this is after Jesus' resurrection. Um, uh, Jesus comes after, uh, after he raises from the dead. He spends about 40 days on earth meeting people, going to the disciples, uh, seeing all kinds of people. And then he ascends into heaven. And then 10 days later, Paul is where we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus ascends 40 days after his resurrection, 10 days later, so a total of 50 days, is where the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens uh, in the upper room. And these followers of Jesus are in the upper room in Acts chapter 2 that were waiting, waiting on the Holy Spirit, 10 days without Jesus. But they made it a point and a passion to wait on the Lord. And so the Holy Spirit comes rushing into this place. It's like a mighty rushing wind is what Acts chapter 2 says, and it completely changes their life, flips the world upside down. Uh, read this with me. I think I have it on the screen behind me. This is Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Really powerful. I want to encourage you to go home and read the entire chapter. Uh, this is verses 1 through 4. I'm sorry. Uh, it says, that When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a noise Suddenly a noise, like a violent rushing wind, came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves, and a tongue rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then what happened? When they were filled, they began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit instructed them to do so, as the Spirit gave them the ability. They were filled. See, see what Jesus had promised in, in John 14 and John 16 was that the helper would come, the comforter would come. In other words, the Greek there is parakletos, which means the one who comes alongside. See, when you give your life to Christ, when you give your life to God and you become a follower, a believer of Jesus and his word, the Holy Spirit comes alongside you to work out the plan of salvation. We talked about this with the Trinity. You remember a few weeks ago, God the Father authored the plan, the Son executed the plan, and the Holy Spirit enables and empowers the plan in my life. But what, what we see here in Acts chapter 2 is that it's not along, the Holy Spirit doesn't come alongside the Holy Spirit came in to them. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Fire set on each and every one of them, and what was inside of them came out. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's great for you, but it's not all for you. Amen. What was inside of them came out. 
And if you were to continue reading Acts chapter 2, it says there was all kinds of people, all kinds, Parthians and Medes and all kinds of people. Read them all. Over 3,000 people were there. How do I know that? Because it said over 3,000 people got saved. Could you imagine if a move of the Spirit happened in this church and 3,000 people outside just came to know Christ? And so they're, they're, they're saying, what's going on? These people are speaking in different languages. They didn't even know what they were saying, but the Spirit knew. And they were exclaiming the wonderful works of God. And so people started, well, what is going on? These Galileans, these nobodies, these uneducated people. See, you don't need an education when you have the Holy Spirit in you. These nobodies are speaking my language, and they're telling me about something great and good. I need this. And I love what Peter says. I don't have this in my notes. I love what Peter says. Peter gets up. Because these people are starting to wonder. All of these people outside the upper room, they're like, what is going on? These people are drunk. I love what Peter says. These people ain't drunk, as you suppose. It's 10 in the morning. That's another summer for another time. It's the third hour of the day, he said. I'm sorry. But this is what, I love what, what, what Peter says. Look, this is what was promised. Peter gets up and tells the whole assembly, the whole people, this is what was promised. By the prophet Joel. And he says, Joel says this, And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh or on all mankind. I want you to, I want you to circle that in your Bible, the word flesh right there, because we're about to dive into this with Nicodemus. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters. Daughters, raise your hands. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Don't let anybody put a spiritual muzzle on your mouth. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. It's, it's right here. It's right here in the book. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. I've been having dreams. I must be old. You young men shall see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Look at verse 19 of Acts chapter 2, if you have your Bible open. It says, I will grant wonders in the sky above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come, and it shall be that everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want you to see this. Peter, right here in the first part, 17 to 18, he talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon all mankind. Men, women will prophesy. Young men, old men will have dreams and visions. All of this... All of this happened on Pentecost. I will pour out my spirit. What did not happen on Pentecost? Look at verse 19 to 21. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. That did not happen yet. So what Joel is saying and what Peter is pointing out is that 
the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out upon all flesh until the day of Christ's return. What does that mean? We are still in that window. We are still in the age of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon all flesh. That's, that's still now. That's still an opportunity for you today. Jesus hasn't come back yet. At least I hope not. We're all still here. That's another sermon for another time. We're still in that window, in that, in that age of the Holy Spirit being poured out. But this is what I want you to see. We see a group of people that are completely zealous and sold out for the presence of God, completely consumed. Zeal for your house will consume me. Zeal for your dwelling place will consume me. And what consumed him? The promise. The promise of the Father. Jesus said, I will give you the Spirit. John the Baptist said, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He will. There was this promise of the Holy Spirit, and they were waiting. They wanted it. They were consumed and passionate about being baptized in the Spirit. Understanding what the Word says, that his promises are yes and amen, or so be it. He's not a yes and no God. He's a yes and amen. If he makes a promise, he's going to do it. Even if it seems a 10-day period of nothingness, Jesus ascended on day 40, 10 days without Jesus, but they still sought the presence of God. They were consumed with the truth of his promise. And we talked about this last week, being consumed uh, with the presence and desire of God to be in his temple and to be his temple, his dwelling place, to be where the Spirit remains. But here's the thing, how many of us can wait? How many of us can wait? Ten days. Ten days without Jesus. How many of y'all have ever waited on anything? Raise your hand high. You ever waited on anything? How many of you, some of y'all ain't never waited on something, wow. How many of you have ever waited on somebody? All of the men should be like, hmm. Especially the married men. <laughs> How many of you, the person that you waited on is seated next to you today? Don't answer, don't answer that. <laughs> right? Now, now let me ask this. How many of us have ever waited on God for something? Yeah. But here's the thing. Like, I, I love the way a, a pastor put this. We... we let me give you some spiritual truth is what he says. He says, God owns everything but a watch. God owns everything but a watch, but he's never late. There's some spiritual truth for you today. And, and, and what I want to talk about today is some, some things, especially as we get to the closing of, of what it looks like to wait, how we wait, and then what Nicodemus shows us when he comes to talk to Jesus about waiting. So we see this 10 days waiting between Jesus ascending and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Right before his ascension, he says something that's very important. And I want us all to see this, and I want us all to hear this today. Because a lot of us, we go straight to Matthew and Mark. Jesus is about to ascend to heaven. We go straight to Matthew and Mark. Go, therefore, into all the world. 
and making disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Great Commission. Matthew and Mark. But there's something that we, we sometimes tend to skip over. And if you look in Luke, at the end of Luke, Luke chapter 24, and right here in Acts chapter 1, there's something that's supposed to happen in between. Before the going, there has to be a waiting. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you will be endued with power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the remotest parts of the earth. Then, before he says that, a couple of verses before that, he says, go to Jerusalem and wait for what I have promised you. Go and wait. Before you can go and make disciples, you have to go and wait for the empowerment. Because without the power, you can do nothing. I remember Hurricane Florence came through last year, two years ago. Man, it seems like yesterday. We've gone through 2020 since then, Flora. Hallelujah. I remember the power went out with Florence, and we could do nothing. You couldn't take a shower. I mean, you could take a shower. This is in the dark. You couldn't really cook food because the microwave was out. That'll set in 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 a second. (laughs) See, a lot of us want to go with the words of Jesus in Matthew and Mark to go and make disciples, but we forget about the stay and wait in Jerusalem to receive power from the Holy Spirit. Too many of us are trying to go without power. And to go without power means nothing is going to happen. And I'll be honest. If you know me, you, you might know me. I hate waiting. The army did me in. Because what's worse than waiting? Hurrying up to wait. CIF, where my, where my soldiers at, right? CIF, getting out of the army. I got a CIF appointment at 10 a.m. It's the last stop to get out. Show up at 10. We're not ready for you yet. Excuse me. I have an appointment. That means you see me at 10. What's worse than waiting? Hurrying up to wait. But it's the hurry up to wait that will test your character. Yes. And it will, if you're not careful, challenge your testimony with those around you. Because one of the things that we've been trying to point out with the series is that people are looking. They want to see to believe. They're, they're watching the church. What kind of testimony, what kind of witness is the church showing to people? Hurry up to wait. Praise God. I will wait on you. I will wait on you. That's a good song. But we're continuing the series uh, called Believe, and I want to focus on the Gospel of John. Uh, So that was your your kind of Pentecost tidbit to kind of open this. Uh, we're finally hitting chapter 3, so I want you to look at me, uh, look with me to John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. There's more than 8 verses in John chapter 3, so we might come back to John chapter 3 over the next couple weeks. We're going to be in this series till January next year. I believe. Shout, you believe. I believe. 
John 3, 1 through 8 says this. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. Why? Because no one can do these things unless God is with him. See, even Nicodemus could get that. No one could do what you're doing unless God is with you. Who's the Holy Spirit? The one who comes alongside of us, with us. No one can do these, these signs that you do unless God is with him. Verse 3 says, Jesus responded and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I love Nicodemus. How can a person be born when he is old? He cannot enter his mother's womb a second time and be born, can he? This is a ruler of the Jews, a teacher. And Jesus answered, truly I say to you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. I love what verse 8 says. It says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. What happened in Acts chapter 2? There came a mighty rushing wind. And what came into them flowed out of them. There was a noise in the upper room. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. There's an effect of the Spirit moving in your life. But you do not know where it is coming from and where it is going. So is everyone who has been born of the Spirit. I love this conversation with Nicodemus. His, his confusion, his questions that he has, and if you keep on reading, it, it gets even crazier, his responses. But it just shows uh, the, the manner of man. We have to see in order to believe. What do you mean I have to be born again? How can this be? He asked that a few times. How can this be? Eventually, Jesus calls him out like, dude, you're a teacher of the Jews. How do you not? Why are you not getting this? He says, how can this be? And so he's stuck in this seeing is believing mindset that so many people in the world are stuck in. In other words, uh, he says, how can this be? In other words, what Christ spoke spiritually to him and tried to reveal to him through the spirit, he took literally. I said this a few weeks ago, but a pastor friend of mine, he said this. He says, taking a literal interpretation is a sign of spiritual laziness. I would even say spiritual immaturity. Taking it literally, a literal interpretation is a sign of spiritual laziness and an attempt to reduce God to a formula so that he becomes predictable. In other words, we want to try to fit God in the box of our own thoughts. God don't fit in a box. I love what the Bible says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. So you, what you're trying to, I, I'm trying to get you to understand something that is not going to work in your human mind. So I need to unlock, something needs to be unlocked spiritually for you to start to understand what God is trying to say to you. 
The Holy Spirit has many roles. One of them is illumination of the Scripture to give you an understanding of what the Word is trying to say. I love what John 14, 26 says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send me, He will teach you all things. He helps us to understand. He illuminates the Scripture. It's those aha moments when you're reading the Bible, like, wow. That's the Holy Spirit showing you and peeling back the blindfold from your eyes to see the mysteries of the kingdom. And so Jesus confronts this. He confronts this literalism. Is that a word? It is now. He confronts this literalism. Because what, what's happening here is, is Nicodemus is giving a veiled question. He's saying, Jesus, we, we see you doing all of these things. And when somebody, biblically speaking, when somebody started doing all these things, that meant the kingdom of God was about to come. So, so he's asking, we believe that you come from God because you're doing all these things. Nobody can do these things unless God is with you. That's why I love Jesus' Jesus's response. No one can see the kingdom unless he is born again. Nicodemus didn't ask about the kingdom. But it was a veiled question to Jesus about the kingdom Coming. And so what Jesus tells them is, is, in order to see the kingdom, in order to be a part of the kingdom, you must be born again. In other words, it's not this change of state that you're looking for. It's a change of spirit in your life. If you want to be a part of the kingdom, if you want to experience the benefits of the kingdom, it's not about a change of state. It's not about a change of leadership. It's not a cha- about a change in the White House. It's not about a change in the governor's mansion. It's not about a change in the mayor's office. If you want to see the benefits of the kingdom, it's not about relying on man. It's about relying on the spirit and being transformed and renewed in the spirit. Is this speaking to anybody today? You must be born again, born of the Spirit. See, I love the, the, the illustration, the imagery here that Jesus uses. You have to be born again. There must be new life. What happens when a baby is born? Usually the father is there. The mother is there. You, you guys have a part in it. The father. Look, Mother's Day is come and gone. Father's Day is on the horizon. <laughs> I'm in trouble. The father, I remember when my babies were born. Today's actually Maya's seventh birthday. She's seven, y'all. Um, but I remember when my babies were born, and I got to cut the umbilical cord, right? And then, and then what do they do? They, they, wrap it in a, they wrap the baby in a blanket, and they give it to dad or to mom, or to dad. <laughs> and I remember holding Abby and Maya, and I remember just saying, you're so beautiful. There's so many great things in store for your life. God's going to do incredible things for you. You don't know it yet, but he's gifted you to, to change the world. And so when we become a born-again Christian, a new baby, the Father comes and wraps us. And he says, I've got so many plans for you. There's so many things. I've given you so many gifts, you don't even realize it yet. But you're going to change the world. 
And how do we hear that? How do we understand that? Through the Holy Spirit. How do we access those gifts? The gifts come from where? The Holy Spirit. They're called the gifts of the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit comes and helps us to understand, one, where God is leading us, two, what God has called us to do, and three, how God has gifted us to change our environment, to change our workplace, to change our community, to make a noise, a joyful noise. Without the work of the Spirit in our life, we miss the communication of the voice of God. See, hearing God is one thing. You can come in here all day and you can hear pastor preach for five hours from the book of John. You can hear it all day. Hearing God's voice is one thing. Understanding God's voice and what he's telling you is completely different. And so the Holy Spirit gives us discernment and helps us to understand what God is saying to us. And Nicodemus, he's this religious leader. He's this teacher. He's got it made. Uh, he's a man who's invested his entire life in learning scripture, learning the law. Uh, and he just cannot get what Jesus is trying to show him. He's got all the education. He just can't get it. He can't get what Jesus is trying to show him. And I say show him because remember, Jesus is the full revelation of God full of grace and truth, truth meaning all unhiddenness. He's trying to show him that, he's, that Jesus is more than just a teacher because he called him teacher. He's trying to show him, look, I'm more than just a teacher. I'm Savior. I need you to understand that. And Nicodemus, who's supposed to have this understanding of Scripture, the Word of God, in order to teach it, is having a hard time literally understanding it because Jesus is the Word of God. Caleb, it's like what you said the other day. You can only lead somebody as far as you've been, right? Or, or in other words, uh, how can you preach or teach about someone or something you don't even understand? I'm not going to pretend to try to tell you about computer stuff. I don't even know the terminology for it. Technology. Is it that easy? <laughs> I'm not even going to pretend to try to tell you about something I don't understand. But what I will do is I will defer to somebody who knows exactly. Who knows exactly how to handle that situation. Knows exactly what you're going through. Knows exactly, uh, uh, exa exactly the, the mission, the purpose of that skill set. I'm not a mechanic. If you want me to change something of your engine, I'll do it. You won't be driving. And that's what I want to show you. That's what I'm trying to tell you. The Spirit is the one who, uh, Rick, he's the mechanic to a broken engine. He can get it up and running again. But if I try to do it on my own ability, I'm going nowhere. He's the plumber who can get the pipes and everything up and running. But if I try to do it on my own, I'm going to be in a mess. The Spirit is the one who enables and empowers and makes the plan of God work in your life. How can you preach and teach about something you don't even understand? So we have to have a, a zeal, a passion for understanding the Word of God. Because it, it, what good is it to believe and not share what we believe? Make a noise. The Holy Spirit poured out 
in Acts chapter 2, and they made a noise and 3,000 people came to salvation. This is what I love about the waiting. Instead of moving straight into the Great Commission mindset to go, uh, there first must be the stay and wait for the power and the promise. How can you go if you lack the power? There has to be the spiritual transformation of an empowerment. And so what Nicodemus is, is doing is he's teaching from this religious perspective. He's teaching without power. He's straight into the making disciples but he never had the spiritual baptism and work done in his life. He stuck on law and not experienced the love. And I say that because when you're born again, you have a father who loves you. For God so loved the world. There it is, John 3.16. We're not even there today, Paul. But John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. What is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? He is a gift from the Father. The same. He gifts things in love. The Holy Spirit is a gift to you. Accept the gift. So he's, he's trying to learn things and teach things from this religious perspective uh, and he thinks because he's learned it all, because he knows it all, he can teach it all. What else is there. And so Jesus comes to interrupt that perspective. Like last week, Jesus comes in and flips some tables in Nicodemus's thought processes. He flips some tables in Nicodemus's life. He interrupts that perspective so that he can reveal to him the kingdom of God. In other words, Nicodemus is doing all of this teaching, but he lacks the understanding. And the Spirit is the one who brings understanding. So how does he fix it? He makes a point to block out some time to visit Jesus. All of these things, Jesus, you're doing all these things. I need to understand it. So I need some one-on-one time with you. If you want to understand the mysteries of the kingdom, find some one-on-one time with Jesus. That's exactly what Nicodemus does. And so we read that he comes at night. Why? I have two thoughts on that. The first one is he didn't want to be guilty by association. Because Jesus by now has garnered a massive following of both followers and enemies. People are not happy about what Jesus is doing. He's turning some tables. He's flipping the world upside down. This is not how we do religion. So people aren't happy. So one, I believe just Nicodemus doesn't want to be associated with like guilty by association. But this is what I want to point out today. The church, any believer, needs to be guilty by association of knowing Jesus. Now, let me say it like this. I, I broke it down. A believer and Jesus go together. There's no, there can be no denying of it. Same. A believer and the word, they go together. There's no denying of it. All of it. We're always associating people with events. Think about it. If I were to mention Noah, the first thought you would have is big ark, lots of water. If I were to mention David, you would probably have two thoughts. One, big giant. Two, he had an affair. If I were to mention Moses, you'd be like 10 commandments all day. 
We, we, what we, we, become to, we begin to associate people with events. And this is what I want you to see. We need to be guilty by association with the Holy Spirit. How did the first church form? By the outpouring of the Holy Spirit birthed the first church. The church and the Holy Spirit must go together. When people see the church, they must see the operating gifts of the Holy Spirit. When people see the church, they must see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When people see the church, they must experience signs and wonders, healing and miracles. They must go together. There is, there's no separation of that. If the Holy Spirit birthed the church, then the Holy Spirit must be evident in the church today. Give God some praise. We need the Holy Spirit. You can't even think about the early church without thinking of the upper room experience and the power of Pentecost. And here's the thing. That is the full gospel. The church must preach the full gospel. You remember a few weeks ago, I had my three stations up here. I had my water pitchers and my oil pitcher and my, my grape juice pitcher, right? It was the blood, the water, and the oil. We talked about the, the, the tabernacle. The priest would come in, and, and first he would give an offering. He would sacrifice an animal. There would be blood. We see that with the sacrifice of Jesus. The blood poured out. I love one way a pastor puts it. He says that we are baptized in the blood at salvation. You ask Jesus to come into your heart, baptized in the blood. The blood covers it all. Then we move over to the next part of the tabernacle, and it was the wash basin full of water. And the, the priest would wash his hands. We call that the baptism, water baptism. And then there was a third part. Before, remember, the, the entrance to the Holy of Holies, the entrance to the most holy place, the, where the presence of man was to the presence of God, there was this progression, blood, water, oil. The priest would be anointed with oil before he would enter into the Holy of Holies, the holy place. And, we, and I, I pointed this out. What would happen if the priest skipped any of these? He would die. So when we're preaching the full gospel, if we're going to adopt the full gospel, which I hope we do, if we believe the full gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, we believe in the blood covering our sins and the water washing it away and the Holy Spirit sealing it in our life and anointing us to access the Holy of Holies to be in the dwelling place of God, to be consumed with zeal for the presence of God. Each and every step is needed. That's the full gospel. Do you believe that today? Each and every step. And it was a gift all every single way. The blood, the water to wash, the spirit to anoint and enable and empower. You need all of it. It's the full gospel, and it all comes because of Jesus Christ. But let me say this. All of that must go together. What doesn't go together? The flesh and the spirit. The flesh and the spirit. Look what Jesus says in verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. 
And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The flesh has no relation to the Spirit, and therefore they cannot be joined. Let, let me say this. There's no riding the fence. There's no riding the fence. If you're, you're either on one side or the other, and if you're on the fence, you're on the wrong side. There's no riding the fence. There's no relation between flesh and spirit. In fact, Paul says that the spirit and the flesh are constantly at war with each other. And so many times we want to marry what I want with what God wants. There is no relation. And if you're still entertaining things of the flesh, then you've submitted victory to the flesh. I love what James says, that to be a friend of this world is to be enemies with God. To be a partaker of things of this world is to be an enemy with God. There is no relation between flesh and spirit. The flesh has no relation with the Father. That's why Jesus says, in order to come to the Father, in order to come to the kingdom, you must be born of the Spirit. Flesh is gone. You must be born again, completely new. Not parts. It's not like taking an old building and slapping a paint job on it and be like, hey, it's new. I love our loft building. It's an incredible ministry. It needs help. It needs a paint job. But just because I put paint on it, don't make it new. It's still going to have issues. It's still going to have shaky rafters. It's still going to be infested with squirrels and bats and mice. So a new life, to be born again, means a clean slate down to the foundation. Everything ripped out and built anew from the ground up. That's what new life means. That's what being born again means means. Regeneration is another way to put it. That it's the Spirit's work to remove the unbeliever's old nature and give him a new nature, resulting in new birth. And here's the thing. There's plenty of born-again Christians that just lack the Spirit. They've gone through the blood. They've gone through the water. But they lack the power. They, they go through the blood, they go through the water, and then they go out and say, let me tell you about how good God is. But they've never even been in the Holy of Holies. They'll go through first step and second step, and they'll go out, let me tell you about Jesus. And when they're posed the question, hmm, I'm not sure, I have to get back to you. But if we dove into the oil, the one who brings illumination and understanding, and then went to the Holy of Holies and, and consumed the presence of God and became passionate about being in the presence of God and then walked out. He said, let me tell you about some Jesus because now what I've been plugged into, the source that I've been plugged into, I've become a resource to those around me. Amen. A resource of healing, a resource of hope, a resource of joy and peace. And people need that everywhere Today, joy and peace is uh, in short supply. There's an inflation on it. 
I'm just making sure y'all are awake. They lack the power. They lack the spirit, the breath of God. And they're seeking the benefits of the kingdom without the license for kingdom use. The spirit outpouring in your life, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is licensed to use the benefits of the kingdom. Not to your own benefit, but for others. To be born again, having this new life, uh, to begin anew and, what, uh, and become a new nature and having new principles and new affections and new desires and new character and having new breath. I love what Acts chapter 2, we see that the mighty rushing wind came into the room. Wind right there is Greek. It's pneuma. Jesus, when he says what's born of the spirit is spirit, what is born of pneuma is pneuma. What's born of the breath of God is the breath of God. Listen, when you open your mouth under the anointing, you are the voice of God to people who are hopeless. You are the breath of God. Are you being a good steward of his breath? Are you breathing life to those around you, building up and edifying? Where there's this new relationship with becoming a new creation. And we, now we have a father. It reminds me of Genesis chapter, chapter 3, after the fall of man. I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times. Uh, after Adam and Eve f- fail and rebel against God, uh, they go hiding. But God comes looking. And it says that they heard the sound of God in the cool of the day. Cool right there is Hebrew, and it means ruach, which means breath or wind. It's the same meaning of the Greek pneuma, breath, wind. Ruach and pneuma, they're the same, just different language. Same meaning. So to be born again, it's like we get placed back in the garden, back into relationship with God, and he comes looking, and we hear the sound. During the cool of the day, it's refreshing. And he breathes new life into us. And what is born of the Spirit, pneuma, breath, is pneuma, breath. When you become a new creation, God breathes a new, a holy blast of breath in you. Every time you exhale, you should be exclaiming the breath of God. We should be seeking the full gospel each step so that others can experience the power of freedom. The second thing is, so so the first Nicodemus was, he came at night because he was afraid of being guilty by association. Let me sum all that up that I preached for five hours for. We should be guilty by association with the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. The church and the Holy Spirit should be synonymous. The second thing is this, uh, and there's lots of theologians that, that talk about this. I've read commentaries about this. Nicodemus was respectful of Jesus' time because Jesus did all of his ministry during the day, healings and teachings. and So Nicodemus said, I, I don't want to inconvenience you, Jesus. When is a good time for you 
that kind of gives you a new understanding of wait on the Lord. Let me serve you, Jesus. Let me serve you. When's a good time for you? So Nicodemus comes at night. It's almost like he, he already got together with Jesus and says, look, I'm going to wait until you're available, Jesus. When you're available, then let's meet up. It's the same thing that we see in the upper room with 120 people coming together. They waited. God, whenever you're available, I'm ready. I'm here. I'm waiting. Whenever you're ready, I'm ready, God. And that's the same mindset that we need to have. God, whenever you're ready, I'm ready. I, I, I need to be with you. I need to speak with you. So until I hear from you, I'm still here. Until I get an answer, I'm still here. Until I get a healing, I'm still here. Until I find a breakthrough, I'm still here. See, a lot of times we get that mixed up. We, we try to bend Jesus around our schedule. Jesus, I'm ready. Come on. Any day now. And then when he doesn't respond when we want it, we just give up. Well, I ain't going back to church. Last time I went to church, I was supposed to get healed and nothing happened. So I ain't never going back to church. I ain't never opened my Bible again. Last time I opened my Bible, it said what I was doing was wrong. I ain't opened my Bible again. Jesus, whenever you're ready, I'm ready. We'll close with this if I can get the worship team up here. So often we want to make Jesus bend to our timeline rather than being consumed by his. So Nicodemus comes at night when others are sleeping. And I want you to hear that today. When others are sleeping, Nicodemus was seeking the face of Jesus. When others were, sleep when others were sleeping, Nicodemus was getting knowledge. When others were sleeping, he made a point to be in the presence of God. And as we stand today, as we close, I want you, I, I, you can look around, all around you in the world today. So many people are sleeping. Are you asleep or are you getting knowledge? Are you asleep or is he filling you with wisdom? Are you asleep or are you in the presence of the king? There are so many people around us that are spiritually asleep, lacking the power of the Holy Spirit, not making it a priority to be consumed, to make it a priority to bind together with the Spirit. Again, when we, come, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter, he comes alongside of us. He helps us. That's what he does. But he wants to do so much more than that. He said, you can leave me on the outside or you can invite me inside. I'll be here on the outside with you. Anytime you need me, I'm here. But if I'm on the inside with you, you don't have to fear anything. You don't have to worry about anything. You can have a peace that passes all understanding. You have a joy unspeakable, full of glory. If you would just have me inside of you. So I want us to make it a point to wait 
on Jesus, to wait on the Spirit, to be completely consumed with Him. Because that's exactly what the 120 did on the day of Pentecost. See, Matthew and Mark, Jesus is saying, go and make disciples, go and, and teach all nations, go and teach every creature, living creature, tell them about the goodness of God. Luke and Acts tells it differently. One, we see Acts, Jesus saying, go and wait in Jerusalem. And so a lot of times we, we have this thought that 120 people just stayed in the upper room. They were just always there. And then 10 days later, the Holy Spirit came. But Luke 24, 53 shows us what else they were doing. If you read it with me, it says this, and they were continually in the temple praising God. They were continually in the temple praising God. I love the way Robert Morris put this. I shared this on my timeline uh, this past week. He says, the church was birthed in the temple and in the house. Both. You need both. If you come to the temple on Sunday, but then the other six days of the week, you're not having church in your house, you missed it. And hear me. I'm going I'm to quote Robert Morris so y'all don't get mad at me, you get mad at Robert Morris. We're coming out of COVID. I believe that. But if you're having church in the house and not in the temple, you've missed it too. The church was birthed in the temple. It says they continually met praising God. And in the house, they were in the upper room. You see that elsewhere throughout Acts 2. They would get together and go to the temple together, and then they would go to each other's houses. The church was birthed in the temple, in the church, and in the house. You need both. And going back to what I said last week, the week before, it's got to be more than integration. It has to be full immersion, completely consumed. It's not about trying to fit Jesus into your schedule. It's not about trying to bend Jesus around your schedule. It's about being consumed in His and by His schedule. Maybe you're here and you're, you're saying, Pastor, I've been waiting far too long. It's been more than 10 days. I need my healing. I need my freedom. I'm, I'm going to speak this to somebody. I don't know who it is, but I'm going to speak it. Do not withdraw from the temple and the house of the people. In other words, don't, don't withdraw and move to isolation from God. And don't withdraw and move to isolation from godly people. They were waiting on the promise of God. They needed both God, godly people. If you're here today, you're waiting. 
Pastor, I've been waiting on healing. I've been waiting on freedom. I've been waiting on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've been waiting on my son or daughter to come to know Christ. I've been waiting. I've been waiting. I've been waiting. But you've also been withdrawing. You need to get it right today. You need to get your priorities back in order. You need God. You need a community with godly people. The early church just says that they had all things in common. They did life together. They broke bread together. They encouraged one another. That's what the church is. That's why we're here, to encourage you and uplift you. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your empowerment, for your enabling, uh, that you always want to take us deeper and that you want to have an effect in our life to change us. So I pray today, Holy Spirit, if there's anybody here today who needs to make a new commitment, who needs to be a new creation, who needs to be born again, to be born of the Spirit, no more, no more walking in the ways of the world, no more walking in the ways of the flesh, but completely united in spirit with the Father. If there's anybody here today Holy Spirit, begin tugging on their heart. Bring them back home. Bring them back to the Father. Give them boldness to step out. Even now, give them boldness and courage to step out and to be confident of the work that you want to do in their life. Not just putting a, a, a brand new painting on an old wall, but completely renewed and reworked altogether. A brand new foundation from the ground up. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to this week's message from Reclamation Church. We pray it was a blessing to you. We want to encourage you to take this message everywhere, everywhere with you and pour into those around you. And if you would love to be a blessing to the Reclamation Church ministry, you can easily give at our website at reclamationchurch.faith. Scroll down to the bottom and click on online giving, or you can even text to give any dollar amount to 84321 and set up a giving account with Reclamation Church. Again, we pray that this was a blessing. Be a blessing to those around you this week, and may God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you with the light of his countenance and, be, uh, and give you peace this week. Amen. Be blessed.